Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a one-all draw at Villa Park against Crystal Palace. Ollie Watkins getting on the score sheet first somehow after Villa, I guess, started the game somewhat well and kind of fell off from there, scoring in the 69th minute with a lovely Luca Dean assist. Of course, Jeffrey Schlupp scored in the 81st minute with a Mark, uh, I think it's Gahey, is how I'm going to pronounce it at least, um, assist in the 81st minute, which is a little bit annoying. But nonetheless, if you probably look at the scale of things and the kind of level of play on the day, you would probably say is about even. If anything, Crystal Palace are probably a little bit hard done by because let's be honest, Villa didn't show up for large portions of the game. But anyways... It's not just me because who wants that? We do have Sir Danny Raza back here again. I have begged him to save me from talking all by myself. So anyways, Danny, how's it going for you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, the, the UK is really starting to enter into its summer phase now, which means that uh, that whole seasonal seasonal depression that, that people tend to, tend to get over the winter seems to have gone away. But it's always the way as the summer comes in, the football tends to move away and we look ahead to international tournaments and, and whatnot. But um, here we are, I guess, end of the season. Villa are on the beach. Plenty of other people are on the beach. Um, but yeah, I think certainly a very exciting summer to look ahead to with the news that Felipe Coutinho is now a permanent Aston Villa fan. So can only imagine what, what the club has planned. He's a, he's a permanent Aston Villa fan. I used to, yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, well, you know, let's not. talk about that first. <laughs> let's let's talk about that first. We might as well because, of course, that that happened. Well, obviously, just afterwards, um, the Liverpool game shortly after at the uh, end of season awards. And of course, lots of uh, awards were given out to the likes of Jacob Ramsey and Danny Ings got the goal of the season and on and on. And of course, the the Aston Villa women's handed out a bunch too. I think Alicia Lehman maybe got the goal of the season or is it top goal scorer or some award like that. But anyways, um, was announced there, of course, of course, by Christian Kurzlow, which is a very interesting way to do it. I mean, I feel like most fans kind of figured it was happening probably over the last month. It probably just felt like there's a better chance than not. I felt like probably in the January, February window, we thought, you know, let's just enjoy it while we can. But as of late, I don't know. I just had that feeling that he's going to stay. So, Danny, what do you think of the signing and really, I guess, well, permanent signing, I should say, and um, what it means, I guess, for the summer in particular? It's interesting you say that, like, yeah, because the way that Gerard was was responding about Coutinho in press conferences, usually if a club didn't know if they were going to get a player, that say things like, oh, you know, um, for the moment, you know, we're, we're focusing on the end of the season, we've still got games left, Yeah, you know, we'll sit down with Philip at the end of the season and all that kind of stuff, but 
no, there's none of that playing it down. You know, Gerard, Gerard said, I think, words to the effect of, we want Philippe Coutinho or Aston Villa next season, obviously, right? So um, the intent was there, so it was clear that the club were working on it. I think what, what's amazing is that they managed to get it for a fairly cut price with Barcelona with like some shared player rights or something like that, which means that, you know, I think if there's a sell-on in the future, you know, Barcelona will probably get, get, probably get something for it. But still a cut price. Coutinho is brilliant. Uh, I did think that the announcement was really cringe at the dinner. <laughs> I thought it was really, really cringe. The music turned yeah, out was... to like volume 100, basically, and you couldn't hear anything else. I found that a little odd. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just the way Perslo announced it. Like, in the last hour, I can confirm Philippe <laughs> Coutinho has become an Aston Villa player. Like, okay, Christian, it was a big signing. <laughs> in the last wow. hour. I, li- I like to think of Coutinho <laughs> eating like an appetizer. Come on, Phil, sign it. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But no, it's good. It's good. It's like, look, the thing is, you know, people can argue about how effective he's been. You know, he hasn't he hasn't been in the best of form in the last few games, you know, but the thing is he's he's a very he's a very you know creative player. He's someone that even if he's on the bench, um opponents will fear him. He's he's the kind of player you see on the team sheet and think, right, no, he can do something. And maybe he needs a preseason that to just maybe kind of uh get him uh, get him with the nick again and then get him playing consistently. Perhaps that's what we need, but uh yeah, I think I think a great signing for Villa. And it would be silly to pass on the opportunity. If you've got the opportunity to sign Philippe Coutinho, you, you sign him. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was rumored or I, I don't know if it's been absolutely confirmed. It was like 17 on mil. I think the kind of hold up thing with Barcelona was they wanted most of it paid up front. And that kind of shows what kind of messed Barcelona in as, as of the current um, time frame in their club's history. Um, apparently he took a 70% wage cut and he was making something like 400 plus million or not million, 400,000 a week or something like that. Jeez. Cole, you um, put in these numbers out your ass. Yeah, well, no, I I knew that I knew that from like tweets and stuff I saw, but not four hundred million a week. I wish, <laughs> but four hundred thousand pounds or euros, um, I should say, um, per week, which just shows how unsustainable and what a mess um, that football club there in Spain is. Really, when you're paying um, people that absurd amount of money, that let's be real, I don't know where you get your value back in that. And of course, with the fee that they paid over a hundred million pounds. Yeah, they've taken a massive hit. But you know what? It's Villa taking advantage of a team in a poor situation and showing some strength there. And I feel like, for me at least, how many times have we seen Villa players move on for cut rate prices because we don't hold the power? So all in all, you know what? You look at the sale of Grealish for 100. We bought Felipe Coutinho for even less than a quarter of what we sold Grealish for, of course, Grealish is probably in installments um, and probably won't see most of that money back for years and years to come, you'd imagine. But at the end of the day, I think for me, it just signals what's going to happen in the summer. It helps kind of from the name basis in terms of, well, we have Coutinho, we have Luca Dean, who can we really attract? So I, I expect some big signings at least. And I feel like that's just kind of the intent. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what, if we can get deals like this for players that can be very effective throughout a season and it's not at a crazy price, that's even better. So we'll have to wait and see. But Danny, anyways, let's let's get into the the one-all draw against Crystal Palace. I mean, same lineup as the loss um, to Liverpool on Tuesday, which I thought was a very good performance overall. But were you surprised that there wasn't any changes? Because, I mean, it was pretty evident probably from 
after the 30th minute, I would say that a lot of these players looked a little laggy. At least they did to me. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, think his thinking would have been, look, they, they put out a really good performance against Liverpool, so why change it? And yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Perhaps perhaps it would have been a, a game to try something a little bit different. I think the, the width that Palace had over Villa, the way they were able to spray it around, you kind of wondered whether perhaps it was a, it was a game to go one up top again. But that's only in hindsight. Um, yeah, I also think that I understand why he's playing the Camber because he needs to evaluate him, to be honest, see if he's see if he's the right in that position. So I think the Dougie and McGinn things a little bit, it's hard to drop Dougie as well because he's played well. You know, Ramsey's obviously back on the bench, but I don't know who you change really. I think the only one for me is that perhaps Chambers and Buendia, perhaps they deserve a start, but I reckon they'll probably get one against Burnley. I wouldn't be surprised if we, if yeah. we saw that happen. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you think of that and then you also think of, well, now, I mean, we can kind of briefly mention, of course, as Conza went off through injury in the 50th minute. Um, I would assume at this point, because they said they'll know more in 24 to 48 hours, um, but apparently it doesn't look that good. So his season is probably most definitely done, you would say, with two matches to play. Um, and hopefully it's not any longer. But, I mean, Danny, it is, it's an opportunity at least even though it's two games for Callum Chambers to get a little bit of good momentum going into the summer. And I feel like from kind of a defensive standpoint, I feel like Villa could really do with it. You know what? I don't expect a lot against City on the final day, but and I know Burnley's not going to be tough because they're literally in the last relegation spot and they're going to go down on the final day. But I'd be going into that Burnley game with him and Mings as as the duo thinking we need a clean sheet here. We need at least one more. But that's how I see it. How about you? What, in terms of clean sheets, I guess? Um, Just the momentum yeah. with Chambers, really. I mean, for me, it's like it's important to kind of... I mean, I think we know what we have in Callum Chambers. That's first and foremost. But I don't know. I feel like he's in a good bit of form, and then we just drop him, and we just throw Konza back in because it's Ezri Konza. Yeah, I, this so. is the thing, isn't it? Like, I don't I don't think Konza's ever truly earned his place back ahead of Chambers. That's my that's my thing. No. No. Uh, he's he's a top player in that, and I don't think I don't think Villa should should get rid of him. Like he is one who might have transfer offers coming in in the summer, and he's one that Gerard might well evaluate and kind of go mm, yeah. 30, 40 million maybe. But he's 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 had a real drop in form, and for me, Chambers every time he's come in is, you know, proven he's he's solid. I think I I think at the start of next season, someone asked me this question, you know, like. Who's more likely to start next game? I mean, first game of the new season. Is it going to be Konza or Chambers? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, at the time, I thought Konza. I probably still do. But what does it take? You know, does it take does it take a, a, a run of really bad results for Chambers to, like, hold the place? Now it might even depend on the injury, too. Like, I mean, who knows? It could only be a month and then he's back for preseason or it could be six months. So, like, you never really know, right? So... You have to wait and see in that regards. I mean, I, I guess we'll put, let me put it this way. What would you rather bet for who starts beside Tyrone Mings? Because I would be assuming Tyrone Mings would mm. be the guaranteed starter on the on the left center back slot. I, I guess would so. it be A, Konza, B, Chambers, or C, a new center back? That I guess that has to be discussed mm. too. So It's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. you can't, you literally have to, if you want to bring in someone new, you have to get rid of one of Konza or Mings, really. Well, you have to get rid of Konza. I feel and like then, then Chambers then is really hard done by too, though. 
Like you have to think of yeah. it that way too. This, this is the thing, isn't it? This is the thing. So I don't, I don't think centre back is going to be a priority. But no. Having said that, how many, how many like poor goals have Villa shipped this season? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a bad situation. Yeah. And today was no different, really, if you think about it. The way that they conceded that goal. What was it? A, a quick little kind of last minute cross before it goes out of bounds. I think it obviously was flicked on by um yeah. Gahey. And then what it went off a nut like a couple, I don't know if it got slightly deflected on its way through, but I mean there's what I think Buendia's on the back post. Um, Chambers got caught ball watching a little bit. And I mean it happens throughout a season, but I mean, like you said, how often does this really happen? And I think that's the issue that you got to look at at some point. If we're ever really going to take that next step, I mean, something at some point has to be upgraded in some manner. So, I I mean, I feel like in the last podcast, I kind of touched on it, but I feel like probably Courtney Haas is gone, in my opinion. I think so, yeah. Yeah, you'll probably get some value out out of him now that you've kind of put him on an extended contract. So that's good from a business standpoint, but... In my mind, there's going to be a fourth center back coming in, unless one of the youngsters really steps up. But in my opinion, that'll be interesting. And to be honest, I think it'll be an experienced player. So we'll have to wait and see, of course. But um, where's Chiellini going? Yeah, <laughs> bring bring in Chiellini. You know what? Ball is um, leaving Juve. It's been confirmed. I don't know if it's been actually like confirmed where he's going next. Bring him in. Bring Suarez in. Let's just bring in every big name possible. Why not? Let's we literally, we literally, yeah, we literally don't know where Chiellini's going, do we? No, but how old is Chiellini now? Like what? 37, 36 at least. If he's any younger, I'd be shocked. The man looks like he's 50. Bring so. him in to deputize for Tyrone Mings, bro. Left hand side. <laughs> I love Tyrone Mings, but would that not be the biggest slap in the face to someone who just won the Euros last summer? But, um, yeah. but you know, serious question. Like, this is stupid. This is a stupid question. Yeah. But serious, what would you take here, Lenny? Yeah. Uh, do you think he could do it in the Premier League, though? I'm still wondering, could he keep up with the pace? Well, yeah, but people said that about Thiago, Thiago Silva. At, yeah, uh, and he's done very well. So, albeit it's at Chelsea. So, could you um, imagine Kiedini being progressive, like in the Premier League? Like, when, like, I don't know, say you've got someone like, oh, actually, no, Emmanuel Dennis is like, like decent, like Jamie Vardy, right? Let's say you've got Jamie Vardy, like, pushing on him, man, pressing on Kiedini when the ball's at his feet. But, like, you've got Jamie Vardy doing that to you, like, every single week. Could he cope with it? I think so. He's more positionally sound. He's in a slower league, but if you, th- I don't know why we're talking about this, but anyways. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking about our next centre back goal. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you on Villa's defence? No, okay, okay, okay. okay. Put, it, put, it, put it this way, put it this way, right? Conser and Mings, no one's disputing how good they are, and, and there is this, there is this loyalty from fans, which is good, which is great about Villa. We have this loyalty with our players. Yeah. Where, you know, you look at, we look at our John McGinn's and we kind of go, look, no, if he has a few bad games, he's done this for us for years. Keep him in there. Like, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't let go of him. Fair enough, right? Ollie Watkins, he's he gets, you know, he gets a few games without a goal, but he's done it for us before. And he shows he wears his heart on his sleeve, whatever. Like he'll 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 do it. Matty Cash, ah, he doesn't get into bad form, but when he no. does, you know, same thing, people will say. Even with Matty Target, people were like, he'll come good, but he's probably the weak. <laughs> but Matty Target went. It, it looked hard to think about who, how you were going to replace him. Who's going to come in to replace him, right? Matty Target, he went. Dean replaced him. You've got another level of left back on him right now. So in the same way, Mings and Konza, at some point or another, there has to be that step up from him. And you don't know who that is. 
And but 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 would Tyron Mings and Ezri Konza start in a Champions League club, level club? You know, maybe I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're correct in the sense, like, if you think about it, we've had Konza and Mings as the main center back duo for this will be the second full season, obviously part of the uh, first season back from promotion. So at some point in my mind, they either, I shouldn't say improve, because I, I think both of them have definitely improved and kind of shown their worth. But I don't know, it, it's one of those things. And I mean, we'll kind of talk about this probably throughout the summer too, like, is it certain areas that we need to improve or is it kind of a, a wider issue? So, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But, Danny, the one thing I do want to discuss is Felipe Coutinho versus kind of the Emmy Buendia debate. I think it's valid at this point in the season because, of course, Coutinho, like we said, signed a new deal, all excited, thought, you know what, he's really good putting the shifts. Um, the player ratings I put on the 7,500 Holt website in my opinion, I gave him a five out of 10 because I really didn't think he did much today. Um, I mean, I feel a little bit bad saying that because he did have to drop deeper and that's because players around him weren't really supporting for him to stay further up. And that does affect what kind of impact he can have. But I mean, especially going into Burnley, of course, last time we played Burnley, Buendia played, which I kind of expect probably to happen again. But I mean, with two games left, where do you kind of sit with this? Because for me, I think, you run probably Buendia against Burnley and and probably, I'm not going to say unfortunately, but it's probably going to go back to Coutinho against City. But do you think there's any argument to just kind of give it to Emmy to the end of the season at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's a little bit political playing Coutinho at the moment, but I guess, I guess it's one of those ones where maybe it's the gate receipt thing, man. Maybe it's for fans to, to stick Coutinho out there. But like... Emmy Buendia, I, I just I don't want this to become a situation where Buendia looks looks at us over the summer, speaks to his agent, and goes, "This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected." That's what I'm worried about because Buendia, you know, he has good, he's had good games for us. Yeah, I'd say the second half of the season has been stronger for him. It's just that he's not been given a consistent run. But I guess you know when you look at it, uh, when you look at when he first came in, the first few games he played for us, and he wasn't really working as a number 10, but that's where he's primarily had to play under Gerard, like since we've been playing with the system with one guy behind two forwards. Mm-hmm. But he's looked good there. He's looked good. He's looked better under Gerard in that, in that number 10 position. I think it was quite telling, I suppose, when Gerard took Ings off and, and stuck Grandier and Coutinho out wide. I wonder if that's going to be his plan over the next couple of games. But I think what he really needs to do is like, you know, keep that interchangeable. That front three needs to be interchangeable. There needs to be a way that that he can fit two wingers in the side because, you know, we have a lot of high quality wingers. <laughs> we have a lot of high quality for uh, like players who can play out wide. And yeah, Buendia's Buendia and Coutinho are just are just two of them. They can't have them jostling over a spot for the whole of next season because they're both going to be key players. So that's that's I think a big challenge for Gerard over the summer. Yeah, I think at some point you almost have to figure out a way to, I'm not saying kind of wedge them both in week in, week out, but maybe kind of figure out a better rotation. I mean, I, I think the thing with Coutinho is he started so brightly and it's kind of, I don't know, it started brightly and then kind of faded and then he had a, a few games on the bounce with really strong form and then he's faded out again. So I almost feel like in my mind, I mean, it's easier to think about it now kind of post results but there almost has to be a way where you can figure out, okay, like where's his dips going to come? Where can you slide Emmy in to kind of counteract that and yeah. keep 
probably like competition and kind of squad levels high. So I don't know. I feel like, I mean, Christ, when's the last time we've had two attacking midfielders of this quality that we can set back and kind of even make this argument? I mean, I, I saw a graphic the other day and it was like, um, I mean, only a couple of seasons ago and it was like, El Ghazi was being replaced by like Borja Bastin or something like that. I can't remember exactly who it was. I mean, you go back to those days, which were only a couple seasons ago, and you think we've definitely come a long way. So it's going to take some time. I mean, it'd be a massive shame if we lost Emi Buendia in the summer. That Then you open up another can of worms because you need to find another attacking midfielder that can really fit that. I mean, could you maybe give it to Jacob Ramsey to say push up? But at the same it time... It won't happen. Uh, I'm just saying yeah. like, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't want it to be a situation where when David comes unhappy, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, he probably knows what he signed on for. It's a journey; it's not going to be instant, too. So, I don't know. Like, you, you never really know what these things do. You, we'll have to wait and see. And like I've been saying for months now, I still feel like there's going to be one or two departures that we might be a little bit surprised by. So, Bailey, Bailey, maybe do you reckon he'll be off? Do you reckon there's a Bundesliga team waiting, kind of going? I Actually, feel like now we can buy him for half the price. That one's going to be a little political for me because I feel like ownership may say like, no, he has to stay around. You never know. Um, at, at what point do they step in and kind of try to protect their investment in a player per se, when you forked out that much? I mean, and yeah, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, at yeah. one point as well, when you cut your losses, I mean, the same can be said about Traore. I mean, I think they only spent, what was it like 17 odd million on him? Um, couple, well, I guess just over a summer ago now. Uh, he's uh, broken, bro. You're not going to get the money back from. There's a lot of players, unfortunately, within this side that you're probably not going to get your return on investment. Versus some, at some point, they may look on to ship on, thinking you can probably get two players of that quality for the price of one. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, bringing it back to Coutinho, like yeah. I think you know, there's he's 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 more of an inv- like I'd rather he stuck around. Like I mean, he's sticking around, right? You know, I mean, even. Try, with Traore, for example, like Traore, Sanson, with them leaving and everything, I'd rather have, a, you know, Coutinho in the squad than, than, than those guys who, you know, obviously have had their injuries and, you know, it's broken them. I think I think Coutinho is probably like, he's got his injuries and stuff, but I think it, for him, it's just going to take take a little bit of time to get to get fit again. I feel like Traore's had that time now. You know, I feel like Sanson's had that time now. It's just not happening. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you do sit back and look at it and wonder at what point do you kind of stick and twist with some of these players. But to kind of get back to the the game at hand, of course, we're recording this on the Sunday when the the game, of course, went on earlier in the day. So it's relatively quick reaction. And you guys were here this on the Monday or whenever you're listening to it. So hopefully you guys enjoy. But I mean, when you kind of sit back and look at it, Danny, I mean, I picked out what Ollie Watkins probably as the main attacking threat that I was rather impressed with. I mean, he probably could have done better um, with his second goal scoring opportunity, which he lashed across uh, Jack Butlin's, or I guess to Jack Butlin's right. Uh, maybe could have argued that he should have at least got that on target. Um, probably in the midfield, you'd probably say John McGinn was a standout performer there. Um, and then of course, Luca Dean for me was probably the best um, defensive player on the pitch. I mean, by far he was the man of the match that I'll definitely be saying later. So hint, hint to that. But I mean, Aside from those three, did you kind of sit back and think, were you impressed by anybody else today? I mean, for me, I just felt like it was maybe like Luca Dean on, say, like an eight. Dean's um, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Watkins and probably, I'd say Watkins probably on a seven. Same with McGinn. And then, I don't know, for me, for the, maybe aside from maybe Matty Cash, I kind of felt like everyone else is probably like a five or a six, to be honest. But how do you feel about mm. that? Yeah, I think um, I still think 
I, I, I still think that we lose that game if Nakamba's not playing. You think so? Um, I thought his distribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, we did discuss this kind of earlier, like with a few texts in the group chat. But yeah. like, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's still. Obviously, we know he's not still kind of fully up to speed. But I mean, yeah, some of the not, ball distribution was scary, and unfortunately, we've seen that early in his Villa career as well. Yeah, but, 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 but to be fair to him, I don't think, I don't think McGinn and Louise, you know, maybe. Maybe the forwards as well, Coutinho as well. I don't think I don't think they did too well in terms of. I mean, True. if you want to talk about shock, shocking ball distribution, look at Coutinho today, right? Yeah. But like, I don't think I don't think you know the, the guys in front of him really did enough driving the ball forward and and getting out of Crystal Palace. There just wasn't enough movement in general today. I think the Camber did his job like pretty well. True. Um, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying he was one of the standout players by the way not by not by any means no, but no. I, I think <laughs> I think I think it was just interesting to see him play I think he had a better game than Luis for example um yeah McGinn I think it was really good to see him giving Palace that energy back because I think in the past you've kind of seen Villa maybe fall apart when a team's you know getting rough I think his battle with Zaha was was brilliant you know them them two putting each other off uh Good to not see him get booked, but uh, how he's come away without a yellow is ridiculous. Still, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anybody else really who, who impressed me. I think even Jacob Ramsey obviously came off the bench. Like he's been, he was injured for a little bit. I don't think he's, don't think he really made too much of an impact. Um, yeah, no, I think other than that, I think Luca Dean and John McGinn really were the ones who stood out for me. But I think Luca Dean more so, just because, just because, like he was. It's always one of him and Cash, isn't it? It's always one of him and Cash that's that's doing it as the fullback. But he was so so dangerous, and it, it was to the point of when even when he whipped that ball in to to Oliver uh, to Oliver Watkins, I, I I knew it was going in. Do you think that was an own goal, or do you think Watkins actually scored that? Because I still can't tell, and I've watched it back like five times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say we'll say we'll say Watkins got a touch to it. Why not? Uh, it, honestly, it, like it looks like a. Just the way that Gahey's facing Watkins, it looks like from one angle, if you watch it, it looks like it's going off Gahey's heel. But then from the other yeah. angle, it looks like it goes off the toe of Watkins. But either way, at least they scored. So Watkins does the work, right? Like Watkins does the work there. He deserves that. Yeah. He deserves that goal. But I think I think that cross that cross is what was what gets that goal. And that's the difference between him and Matty Target. As much as we love Target's delivery at times when it was him and Grealish kind of linking up on the left, I think. For me, that's the difference. And I'm, I mean, we saw kind of Luca Dean start off strong when he first came and then a string of injuries kept him out for a little while. And I think now he's just finally starting to get to form or top form, I should say, unfortunately. But I mean, that man's left foot. And he almost scored at the end, too. He challenged uh, Jack Butlin pretty well, too, with that long range one, too. So, I mean, it, it, it's all good in regards to the fullbacks. It's very nice to know that we're not struggling yeah. with <laughs> with that, though I'm sure there'll be added competition here in the summer. But, Danny, I mean, I, I guess in terms of, like, lessons that we might have learned from this game, I mean, do any stand out for you? I mean, I guess one quickly for yeah. me would be well, I sit back and kind of sit there and think, you know what, there are how many times can you think of this Villa side where maybe we'll start off strong like we did today relatively and then fade out for the rest of the game and not really even have any glimpses like for instance scoring against the run of play and then really kind of going at it really hard at the end and almost kind of coming away with it again mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of what stood out for me but what stood out for you yeah you know it's the inconsistency for sure how can you go to Liverpool give them absolutely everything and lose yeah and then then you know have a home game the home get the home 
by the way, form is, is one big issue, but it's a different one completely. But then, you know, come, you know, have Palace at home and then, you know, just barely touch them, barely lay a glove on them. I mean, we got we got a point, obviously, but, you know, they, 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 they need to come out with that same kind of effort every game. Uh, and that's 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 the that's the real issue for me is the inconsistency because you always see glimpses of a top side, and I'm sure Gerard will see that as well. It's, it's like the hardest thing to it's the hardest thing to fix, isn't it? Because what you need is right. I've got players who can achieve it, who can do it, but have I got a team that can do this every single week? And that's what, by the way, off topic slightly, but that's what separates like a Jurgen Klopp from like a yeah from from like any other manager on the planet, for example. You know, the, the sending out players to do that, Absolutely. that, that experience job like every single week. And that's, yeah, that takes a certain kind of player, doesn't it, at the end of the day? But Villa needs to sort that out. The inconsistency is, for me is the, is, the, is the biggest thing. I think that system works, but uh, at times as well, it can disappear. You know, the forwards, you know, if, um, if a team is so stretched. That's the other thing, actually, that I noticed today. Villa do suffer with, with sides that... that um, that can stretch you. Teams that yeah. can play out wide that have you know proper like wingers touching the touching the sideline, they struggle with that. Yeah, Palace was spraying that ball about too freely today. Well, I mean the amount of the amount of long balls too by Villa just to kind of relieve a little bit of pressure and hopefully send Watkins on a run. I mean, I really aside from I think the one chance that Danny Ings kind of lashed over the goal um, earlier on in the game and the one he tried to kind of finesse. Um, around Butland, I think just shortly after. Aside from that, I really didn't even really notice him on the pitch for most of it. He was basically pegged back in our own end, kind of trying to get it out. But, I mean, it is true. It's I think the truest thing for me with Villa is it's we start one way, but it's kind of adapting throughout a game and kind of managing that. So, I mean, whether that's kind of more up, so to, up to Gerard to kind of take it on his chin and kind of, get a little bit more progressive with that over time or the players kind of adapting to different situations. I mean, I, of course I think back to a couple of seasons and we've grown in terms of that. We're not as kind of poor in that regard, but there's still of course a, a ways to go if you want to break into that, I guess, top 10 per se, because I know a lot of us say top eight, but we haven't even really even been inside the top 10. So let's, let's take some baby steps at least, but um Danny, let's let's go over to the three word reviews on Twitter. I think there's about 40 odd of them. Um, so we'll we'll get to those. Of course, you can tweet us post match at 7500 to Holt. And I just kind of liked some um, that came in quickly after the match. So I'll read them out now. And of course, thank you to everyone that's got involved. Uh, Jim says need new signings. Uh, GJHUTV saving for City. Uh, Jonathan Fairless. Nakamba not ready. Uh, we'll go to uh, Sanj J. Uh, Pradhan uh, saying, "Watch out, Grealish." Uh, let's go to A B A B C D A V F C. Say that five times fast. Um, we did okay. Ches one three two one more Buendia, please. Uh, Macavilla start Buendia. Uh, let's go to Mister P. Um, far too sloppy. Uh, Nigel WV, very forgettable game. And let's go through a few more right now. Sean Wild, huffed and puffed. Um, Joe uh, Thama, um, I hope I didn't uh, pronounce that wrong. Uh, beat Man City. And let's finish with Rupert Bell saying work in progress. I think that's a, a definitely a good way to end that one there. And of course, thank you, like I said, to everyone getting involved. 
tweet us at 7500 in Holt, 7500 to Holt, sorry, in the future to get involved. But Danny, let's let's throw you under the hot seat here. Let's go to our, our man of the match slash match ball. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious, but who are you giving yours to? Yeah, Luca did. Luca did. He was the biggest attacking threat, I think, for Villa. He was finding himself free on so many occasions, getting himself near the penalty area. Never felt like he was really, um, you know, putting Villa in any harm defensively either. And yeah, just the precision of his of his of his balls today were were, were brilliant and and nearly scored goal of the season for Villa as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said earlier, I mean, I'm making that unanimous. He really didn't put a foot wrong. And I think the one thing for me with Luca Dean that I was concerned about, at least watching a few Everton games over the last season plus was maybe he's a little, um, I wouldn't say out of his, like kind of out of bounds or not as good defensively, but that definitely was a concern with how we kind of pressed under Jared in the early days with him and cash and how that got found out a little bit too quickly and uh, I mean over the last few games he's been very excellent and I think of errors and kind of when, where goals are coming from and very rarely are they coming from areas that he's responsible for so fair enough to him and well done to him and long may that continue um, I mean I still want to see him score an absolute screamer so hopefully that happens before the end of the season if it happens against Man City and we beat them because of it then you know what fair game you can't you can't tell that's what I want to happen at all with that statement but um Let's touch on Burnley at Villa Park on Thursday quickly here, Danny. I know we've kind of briefly touched on it. And I mean, the relegation battle is like absolutely mental right now. There's still three teams in it. Of course, uh, Burnley sitting in 18th, uh, 36 games left. So us to play and Newcastle United, they're on 34 points, minus 18 goal differential. Leeds United um, have one game left against Brentford. They're on 35 points, minus 38 goal differential, which is mental that they've conceded that many or even in 17th place, in my opinion. Um, And Everton are still in it, of course. They still have, um, I believe, Palace and Arsenal to play on 36 points minus 20 goal differential. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a tight one. This is going to probably be, if, if really, if Burnley look at it, they might even say, you know what, it will take maybe two points or prop, they probably prefer four points really at this point in the season to really secure it. But how are you feeling about this one on Thursday? I mean, we thought they were desperate when we played them, what, just over a week ago or so, whenever it was. But, I mean, this is going to be pure desperation, you'd figure, from them, mm. right? Yeah, like, this is the thing. I think when, when they played us that first time, it was obviously a case of, right, they've won so many on the bounce, they're undefeated in a while. And, yeah, like, let's just keep on going for Mike Jackson. I mean, it would be a walkover. You know, they maybe believed in their own hype a little bit too much. Then they had a few injuries as well, which which really made them suffer. And I think now, I think it's both Tarkovsky and me who are out injured. And that's, you know, that's not what they want. They need that leadership in a relegation battle. You know, that being said, they've got two, they've got two games in hand over Leeds. So if they were to beat us, that puts us, that's put, that puts them in a really good position. Um, so they're going to put, they're going to try everything really. Then... Yeah, I think that Everton and Leeds situation is just—it's going to be. I don't know which one of them's going <laughs> to, which one of them's going to survive. I can't even tell, but, to be honest. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, to be honest, I'll put it out there. And like, I—I I mean, I've worked with some fantastic Leeds podcasts over the last couple season, and they're lovely people. But I really hope they go down. I'm sorry. It just—they're just not. It's they, not it for me. They got a point though. Like, they got a—they got a point against um, Brighton, and that—that's a huge point for them. True, because it puts the pressure back on Burnley. 
Burnley weren't able to score at all during the game against Tottenham Hotspur. True, and that's very that's, true. Yeah, it's a worry for them, isn't it? Yeah. I think I, th- I I did say that I did say after the last Burnley game that yeah, look, we'll beat them again, and I still think we will. But uh, there's also that chance that they run on absolute vibes and desperation. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it's the final home game of the season, so. I mean, I think Villa have only won what, like something like six games at home or something like that. I feel like um, our very own Simon O'Regan tweeted that out or something. I don't know if that's an exact stat, but it hasn't been very many games this season, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, maybe it's been more, but anyways, it hasn't been that many. Um, and, and you sit back on that. Do you think that adds any pressure? I mean, I think any game at home adds pressure, of course. And I, I don't maybe think it, it should maybe during certain games, but I mean, you bring a, a desperate team into it and then you add on kind of one of the finishing off strong at home. And you probably look at this as the last kind of winnable game. You would probably argue if you're a realist um, for the season. I mean, if we beat them realistically and that's our only win left of the season, that puts us on 47 points and the highest we can really finish is 11th. If that's the case. Um, Cause let's be honest, the man city game on the final day is going to be the biggest uphill battle of the season where you don't know if players are going to be on the beach per se, because that does happen. And there's mental scores on the final day, I find, but um, it's, where it's do you funny, isn't that? it? Cause that Villa, Villa can, can decide relegation. Villa can decide the title is where we're at at the moment. Yeah. There's that mentality too. Like, do you want to be kind of, do you want to be relegation and party spoilers? I mean, if there's anything to get up be. to, yeah, I mean, if anything drives a man like Emmy Martinez to perform his best, because that man is a, a, a shithousery sicko, it's relegating a team and ruining Man City's chances of winning the Premier League. And, and that's the thing. I think Villa needs to, need to get more mean. And I think that's, what, that's what's happening under Gerard. They're getting more mean, bro. Like the game management's much better. They're holding onto the ball and, and, and putting, you know, putting it out and getting better at time wasting and that kind of thing. And, and also McGinn, for example, giving it large in games. Villa needs to get that aggression back. You know, they, we, what Villa need is for teams like Burnley and City to see Villa at the end of the season for important fixtures for them and go, oh, fuck, not Villa. That's what, that's what we need. Exactly. So, so I think, I think it would be big for Villa's reputation. I think Gerard will give a good team talk and tell him, look, just go, go out there and spoil the party. Will it happen? I guess that's that's the other part of it. But all in all, I mean, I, I guess if we're going to give a score prediction for Burnley, where where do you sit with that? Because for me, quickly, I think, I mean, I, I want to be fair to Burnley, but for some reason, I see a another three one win for Villa. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go three 0 as well. I think I think I think we'll go ahead, uh, put them under pressure, and then yeah, they'll capitulate. I think so. I mean, I think first goal scorer probably in that game is going to be massive because you think if it's Burnley, they're just going to sit back and hold on for dear life. But I mean, if it's Villa, I can see Burnley really crumbling. And I, I mean, for them, if you look at their situation, I mean, Newcastle have had one hell of a second half of the season turnaround. Of course, they brought in quality mm-hmm. and had probably the best January window out of all the sides in terms of what's needed. So maybe they look at that and think you never know there. They're, I mean, they still have Technically, both games for them could be winnable or to get points in, but it's going to be one hell of a task. But you're right. I mean, it's it, it's about showing up and kind of performing. So, it, it, I mean, again, I feel like it Bundia will probably start on Thursday and then you go into Sunday with probably Coutinho and hoping he can spread a little bit of magic. But I mean, the difference from both games is like, I guess, what do you, do you just roll with the rest of the same team or do you try a few things out that are a little bit different or 
like we've kind of touched on, do you go in and say, screw it, we're putting the best side out. We're going to try to win both games and that's how it is. I I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see at this point. But I mean, for Villa, I mean, for most teams, I think it's what every extra place you finish higher up the table, it's like two and a half extra million pounds or whatever, which I mean, you never know. This is a new player, isn't it? Well, quite literally. So Villa are what? 13th right now, 36 games, minus one goal differential, 44 points. I mean, they could still finish realistically as high as if they won both games, that would put them on what 50 points. So technically they could finish high as ninth, really. Um, If Leicester didn't play well for their two remaining games and teams above them, it didn't work out. Realistically, it's probably about, I don't know, 10th or 11th at this point with how things are going to go, which in that case is an extra five or so million pounds, which exactly it's, I don't know. It's a few more players. It's a few more um, youngsters in the academy. It's you never know. A, a hit, a, a couple of hidden gem future John McGinn's for two and a half million each. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, anyways, Danny, I think we'll we'll wrap things up there because we definitely went on for more than long enough. So thank you very much for joining me. Of course, you can find Danny on Twitter at Razajerno. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt. You can email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, leave a positive review rating wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, wherever you're listening. It's appreciated and we definitely do notice. But anyways, we should be back hopefully briefly after the Burnley game on Friday, early Friday morning, hopefully. Um, and then we'll go into the fun festivities on the weekend. So anyways, there'll be there'll be lots of stuff coming up here. Um, in the summer so keep an eye out for that but I'll shut up and don't forget up the villa hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.